the youth, so you will stay in here during this time. But if you are not middle school or high school, you guys have a great time. Y'all are sent. Good morning. My name is Kendrick, and I'll be reading the scripture this morning out of Psalms 34, verses 18 through 22. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Thank you, Kendrick. Morning. We doing all right? Good. Hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity to meet you after the service, introduce yourself, all that kind of stuff. We are in the third week of our Word of Their Testimony series and. The first two weeks have been very powerful, and so today we're going to hear from three ladies who um, really represent that Psalm 34 passage we just read, that they have been brokenhearted and they have seen God really move and work in those situations. So you'll get to hear from them here in just a little bit. You're stuck with me for a little bit longer, but then you'll get to hear a little bit from them as well. Now this message today may be very relevant to you this morning. It may be the most relevant thing in your life right now, or it may not be relevant at all. But if it's not relevant at all right now, you might want to back pocket this one because at some point in your life, this will be very relevant to you. And I think even if you're not going through something here today, if you're not brokenhearted, if you're not suffering, if you're not grieving, all those things, this will help us to navigate our relationships around us where people are struggling and are going through different things. So you won't hear me today try to solve or fix the problems. I have a bad habit of trying to do that, and what I've learned over time is two things. One, there are some things you just can't fix. And I also learned that sometimes it can be hurtful, not helpful, when you try to fix those things. So this morning, I'm not going to try to solve the issues, but I do think that there are three things that we can talk about that could be helpful when you're brokenhearted and when you're grieving. I'm going back to my Baptist roots this morning, old-fashioned three-point message. So here it is. First point is, very simply, he cares. That God cares. And I think the irony is when we go through something... We feel like God is a million miles away, but the reality is God has never been closer than when you are broken hearted. And the enemy, I think he, he loves the fact that not only are you broken hearted, but he loves to make us think that God doesn't care. But the reality here this morning is God so cares. God cares 
so very much. And we've talked time and time again about how God loves to work in the biggest messes. We've looked at the fact that that Jesus chose to be born near the outcasted shepherds. He was near to them. Or we looked at the story of John chapter 4, this shame-filled woman. He had to meet her at the hottest part of the day. Why? Because he loves to be close to those who are struggling, to those who are hurting. Time and time again, you look at the Old Testament. There are three men who are in the fire, and who's there with them, right? Jesus is there with them. This is where he loves to be. And there's many examples we could look at this morning, but if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13. I love this story. It illustrates so much the compassion of Jesus, how he wants to be near to the brokenhearted, and he wants to be active um, with them. Luke 7, 12 and 13. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says this, As he approached the town gate, he saw a dead man being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. Other versions say, Don't cry. Don't cry. And you'd imagine in this moment that the full weight of loneliness and despair has hit this woman. Right? She's already lost her husband. She's, she's completely alone in this moment. And Jesus saw her. I want you to highlight that part, that the Lord saw her. He sees your suffering. He sees when you're brokenhearted. He is there. And then he actually does something pretty wild in this moment. He resurrects the son. And it's a credible story. I encourage you to go look at this whole passage when you get home. But the idea here is that God so cares. I mean, he has never been more near than when you're going through something very, very difficult. It reminds me in the moments that were hardest in my life, about seven years ago, that the thing that really started the healing process was I listened to this song called Broken Vessels, and there's a line in there, and it says, I can see the love in your eyes. And for the first moment in that difficulty, I saw the love in his eyes. It wasn't, Dallas, you need to move on. Dallas, get it together. No, it was, Dallas, I'm here and I'm with you in the midst of that. That helped me so much to move forward. And now, in fact, Morgan, she made a sign that we still have in our room today. And it says, I can see the love in your eyes. And we're reminded over and over how God was near in the toughest times in our lives. Which brings me to another point, that if God cares and we are the body of Christ then we ought to care too, right? We need people in our lives who care. And that's one of the things I love so much about this church is that in last April, when my dad's life was hanging in the balance, people said, we're with you. We got your back. We're going to pray. We're going to ask for God to tip the scales in your dad's favor. And man, we've got to be together and we've got to care when people are brokenhearted and when people are struggling. And the reality is too, if you're here today and you are brokenhearted and you feel like, you know, I don't, it's not really me. I don't like to talk through that. I don't like to give those things to people. I don't like to do that. The reality really is you're either going to talk it out with someone or you're going to take it out on someone, right? And so 
it's up to us, if you're going through something today, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually be transparent. I'm going to actually be open about these things that are going on in my life because we have to do that. A wound must be exposed before it could ever be worked on or healed, right? We weren't made to hold it in. We were made to let it out and share those burdens with other people. Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. The thing about pain is, and a lot of you have experienced this in your life, is that you often don't just get over it. You have to get through it, right? You, have to, you can't go under it or around it or over it. You have to go straight through it. So we have to address this with God and with people. And if you're going through something here this morning, man, I hope that we will always be a church who is available to say, yeah, I'll, I'll be in this with you. I'll be here with you. And if you ever feel like that's not the case, please come talk to me because if we don't have time to do that, what are we really doing? So that's point number one, he cares. Point number two, he understands. It's one thing to care. It's a whole other thing to be able to understand. Jesus will never say, I don't understand that. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. You'll never hear that from Jesus. Hebrews 4 says this, uh, 15 and 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I think one of the temptations the enemy likes to use is to make us think that no one's ever gone through what we're going through. I mean, seven years ago when I was going through my panic disorder, I thought, this is the first time anybody's ever had to deal with something like this, right? I mean, that's how the enemy likes for you to think, but the reality is I started to hear stories over and over of people dealing with the same thing and coming out the other side of it, and it brought so much hope to my life. And the thing is, God understands. He so understands. He understands so much. He understands things um, like grief. Jesus, in John 11, loses a good friend, Lazarus. He sees him dead there. Or how about John the baptizer? When he dies, likely his father Joseph as well dies. He understands things like grief. Or how about anxiety? In Luke 22, he sweats drops of blood. And I don't know if you know this, but to sweat drops of blood is an anguish very few people ever experience. So he knows anxiety. If you're facing anxiety, he understands anxiety. He understands things like betrayal. Every one of his closest friends turn their back on him. When push comes to shove, when it comes down to it, they turn their back on him. He understands betrayal. He even understands things like isolation. He's momentarily isolated from the Father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that he could bring about reconciliation between heaven and earth. And that was the probably loneliest moment in the history of the world right there. And Jesus experienced that. He knows isolation. He even knows things like financial strain. I mean, the one guy comes up to him and he says, hey, I'd like to follow you. And Jesus says, all right, but you better know I'm homeless. Right? I mean, everywhere he went, he, he never did experience wealth. He knew financial strain. 
He understands things like literal pain. He died like a common Jewish criminal at the hands of a brutal Roman government. Very few people understood the actual pain that he went through. He understands if you have health struggles here today, he understands literal pain. He understands things like oppression. He was tried in the dead of night completely unfairly. The religious leaders knew that they were breaking their own laws. And so he was treated so unfairly in that moment. And he understands things like oppression. He understands things like being disgraced. You look at uh, Isaiah 53, 3. The people pick Barabbas over him. A criminal. It says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. We have a God who is familiar with pain. We have a God who is familiar with our pain. Who stepped out of heaven and chose to come to the earth and experience the things that we've experienced. He cares and he understands what we're going through. Those are the first two. Third one is this. He doesn't waste our pain. One of the greatest themes from the Bible is that God will take a situation that's not good and he'll make some good come from it. Now, I don't mean that he makes every situation good. Sometimes he can come and completely redeem the situation. But when you're facing things like the loss of a loved one, you would never look at that situation and say it was good But you can always see in a bad situation that God can take that situation and he can make good come from it. And that's what he does over and over. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, our greatest pain will often become our greatest testimony. Our greatest pain often becomes our greatest testimony, and that's been true in my life. The situation that renders us brokenhearted is temporary, but what can be produced out of that can be eternal. I went through a lot of pain with my panic disorder, a ton of pain. I mean, there were nights where I said, God, end it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. But I look back and I can say, man, God's hand was all over that. Because now, when I share that story with other people, at times I have seen eternal glory come from that temporary situation. And man, I look back and I praise God that he gave me that situation. And that's not always the case, but you can always praise God for producing good out of any situation. He's not going to waste it. He's not going to waste it. And when you see purpose in your pain, you're much likely, more likely to be okay from it. Like the woman who has pain during childbirth, she, she knows that this is producing something in her, right? This is bringing about life. And for us, whenever we're going through something very challenging, when we're brokenhearted, when we're grieving and all those things, we can take heart in the fact that God is going to use that. That it's not just being wasted. It's not just random. God will use that for good things ahead. Life can be produced out of it. Y'all, he is a God who oversees. I don't know 
I mean, sometimes I get caught up thinking, the, the enemy likes to make you think, yeah, maybe he's turned away from this situation. Maybe he's gone, but no, no, he oversees it. And he continues to work good time and time again. All the way back in the beginning, in Genesis, Joseph says what? He says, you may have meant this for evil, but God has used this for good. And so whether it's something somebody has done to you, or it's just a tragic situation that nobody bears any fault in, God can take that situation and there can be good things produced from it. Again, he cares, he understands, and he's not going to waste it. There are three ladies um, in our church who know what it is to be brokenhearted. Uh, You're going to hear their story here in just a second. They uh, wouldn't tell you this, but they were victims of divorce. They did not want to make it be about that. All they wanted to do Let's talk about how good God has been throughout. And so you're going to hear this from them, how God has been so good in the midst of their situation. And and some were a little bit in different stages than others, but every one of them were so eager to give God glory throughout. And so this is uh, Sarah, Candace, and Brittany's story on the screen. We've been going through a family dissolution, also a divorce, for about a year and a half now. Some of the challenges early on were um, being on my own for the first time. We had been married for 16 years. We got married young. So being an adult with kids on top of facing it on my own was a challenge. One way that I want to talk about that I've seen God move is I haven't been alone. Like, honestly, like through the church and through Him, I've not been alone. I had a lot of people have reached out to us. I've had people pick up kids from different sporting events, um, people who have come to watch my kids at sporting events, to be additional family members, call and check on me regularly, just like love and action. I've seen God the most in like the growth in my own personal relationship with Him. Being on my own with God, I've seen Him in a more personal light. God's been so good. He's been so good in so many ways. Years down the road, I'm going to see more fruit of like his goodness in these days. The things, the seeds that were planted this past 18 months, I'm going to see the fruit of them in years to come. I know the biggest thing that I will always think back about this situation is that God surrounded me with people. You know, the people that God assigned to me were relentless. I remember just wanting to give up so bad. Um, There were several days where I just, you know, I just stayed in a dark place for a little while and um, God had assigned three different people three different times a day for the entirety of the divorce to call me or to text me or to show up at my front door. And I never realized how many people loved me. And I have never in my life been so sought after by women that were not given up and 
I can honestly say very confidently that if they had not bugged that ever-loving daylights out of me, <laughs> I would not be here. I would not be here. And, I mean, there are so many supernatural things that God just did in my life through this time that I would literally wake up and hearing worship music. I would go to bed with this peace. And there was one day I drove myself and the kids to church on a Wednesday night. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go, but I need to go. I feel okay. I'll be fine once I get there. And I remember looking around and seeing, okay, well, there's husband and wives everywhere. I'm used to sitting with my husband. He's always got his arm around me, and here I am. And I, you know, it was all new, and I was trying my best just to put one foot in front of the other. At the end of service, it was worship. And worship was just, you know, we had our heads bowed and everything. And I just was standing there, and I'm like, God, I feel like I'm a shell of a person. How in the world are you gonna get me through this? I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. And at the time, I wasn't. And I just remember closing my eyes, and I'm like, I just feel so alone. And this whole time, I had my eyes shut. Someone came over and just put their arm around me and just kind of got next to me. And it felt like a very big, strong man. Like, they grabbed me and didn't let me go. I'm like, well, who is this? I opened my eyes. There was nobody. So it was either Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, or an angel. And it was just absolutely incredible. And I just lost it right there. I'm like, God, you are with me, and you are not leaving me. I knew God was big. I knew I had the mind knowledge, but now I have the heart knowledge. The first of my storm, my biggest challenge was sleep. Nighttime became a time that I feared my mind wouldn't rest and Satan would prowl in my mind. I quoted scripture and I envisioned what I quoted. One that I used most often was from Isaiah 43.2. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I would envision myself in each situation and God would protect me and save me every single time. And I would do this over and over until I knew that God would protect my dreams. I began to live my life moment by moment. It was weeks before I could make it through a day without crying. As the storm went on, I became more accustomed to my new normals and I faced all kinds of unanswered questions and I had to completely trust God. God has been in every step. He has sent me books, verses, friends, family, support, advice, wisdom, all right when I needed it. Each part had been woven together into a beautiful story that I am now proud of. And I'm honored that God chose me. He chose me to receive a testimony that I'm going to use for His glory. I've already encountered so many women facing a similar situation, and I get to tell them how God protected me and saved me. The storm has helped me to see God in a different way. It has transformed my relationship with Him. On the night that I received the hardest truths about my marriage ending, I had a friend tell me that Jesus was sitting right beside me, crying with me. This image has brought me comfort countless times. It makes me see Jesus in a real and normal way. I now understand the thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, I take pleasure in my weakness 
and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. But when I am weak, then I am strong. I have lived through brokenness, which means I have surrendered all. Now, when I face a heavy load, I know that I have to give it to him. I can speak this truth faithfully because I have lived it. I've seen God work in me during this storm. In the book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst, she says that in our brokenness, we become dust. Not just broken pieces that can still be glued back together, but complete dust. Then, when the living water is added to the dust, we become clay, and the potter molds us and rebuilds us into something new. I have felt this transformation in my life. It's hard to be going through the hardest storm of your life and feel like you're not supposed to talk about it. I've always been very open about my story because I'm so excited to show people what God has done for me. Celebrate your storms. It's God's growing testimony for you. Use your story to reach another. Amen. I think it's difficult to put into words how good God is in those moments of having a broken heart. But I think these ladies did a wonderful job with that. And I love how Sarah said, I mean, just a staggering statement of, I'm honored that God chose me for this. I mean, what a wonderful statement to come out of pain. And then Candace said that the head knowledge that she had before has now been the place where she puts her confidence in her heart. And Brittany had seen so many people rally around her during times of pain. Y'all, that's being the church right there, to come together and say, we got your back. We're going to pray. We're going to see this situation through. God has been so, so good. As we get into worship here, I want to share a couple things before we do that. Psalm 147.3 says this. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you're here today and you're brokenhearted, I want you to know that it doesn't end this way. That he will, in this life or the next, he will bind up your wounds and there will be healing. But until that time, we, we see that he cares, he understands, and he will not waste our suffering. Revelation 21.4 says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It does not end in pain. It ends in victory. C.S. Lewis once said, There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. The idea being that we have this hope moving forward, whether it's in this life, but for sure in the next life, that there will be no more pain. There will be no more mourning. But until then, we understand that we have a good God now. And we can praise his name in the storm. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the power of testimony. That there have been trials, there's been pain, there's been brokenheartedness. 
And yet, you take situations that just seem impossible for there to be any good from it, and you produce good from it, far beyond, sometimes far beyond even the situation itself. So, Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you have, you have the final say, and that everything doesn't end in pain. It ends in victory. We love you a lot. Jesus' name, amen. If you all will stand and worship with us. If you need to pray with somebody this morning, I'd love to do that with you. If you need to come to the altar to respond, love for you to do that as well. Respond the way you feel God calling you here this morning.